This week's story is about Emily Silverstein. She's the owner of a clean, organic skincare company called Urban Organics. Welcome to We Built This Life, the podcast that tells the stories of entrepreneurs, freelancers, and others who built their working lives from that first inkling of an idea into sustainable, profitable careers. I'm your host, Jennifer Walker. I'm a freelance writer, and I absolutely love to hear career stories. On this podcast, I'm going to share stories about people who figured out what they wanted to do with their lives and talk about their path to their current work and the risks they took to build their careers from the ground up. Thank you so much for listening today. Welcome back to We Built This Life. This week's episode is about Emily Silverstein. She's the owner of Urban Organics, which is an organic, vegan, sustainable skincare and body care company. And they also sell some products from like-minded brands that kind of have a environment sustainability focus. Emily started her business shortly after having her first son, Milo, who is now probably about five years old or so, and she got her start on Etsy. Her very first product was her cleansing grains, which is an oat-based dry facial cleanser that is mixed with water or toner or some kind of liquid. You actually do the mixing yourself at home, and then you make a fresh face wash that you can use you know, each time you're watching your face. This is one of the products that she first listed on Etsy, and she made one sale her first day. Now, it's six years later, and the business has grown to include many more products. Emily makes cleansing bars and face masks, body oil, dry shampoo, deodorant, and many more things. And she also has added uh, another employee to the company, her husband, Corey, who left his job in banking last year to join Urban Organics. The business is now the sole income for the Silverstein family, which along with Emily, Corey, and Milo includes their second son, Max, who I believe is maybe around age three or so. So I'm a customer of Emily's. The first product I bought from her is uh, her facial cream, which Emily says is her top selling product. And it's it's a very soothing cream. The first ingredient is aloe vera gel. So, so that makes sense. There aren't any essential oils in it, but it has a really fresh natural scent. Emily said that this is the product she is most proud of because it took her about 10 to 12 batches to get the formula to be what she wanted it to be. Now that's about double or triple the amount of batches she has had to make for her other products before nailing down the formula. I also have a few of her other products. She has a brush cleaner, her rose water toner I have, and I've tried her lip balms before. They're really nice. They're thick and chunky, so you feel like they'll cover the whole surface of your lip in one swipe, which I really like. And they smell really nice too. So as a customer, and as someone who follows Emily on social media, I have been really impressed with how accessible she is to her customers. She's always answering questions on Instagram and Facebook. She shares pieces of her life. She's really into meal planning, for example, so she'll do these tours of her refrigerator and talk about what her family is eating for the week, which is really inspiring if, if you're like me and you aspire to be a little bit better about meal planning for your family. She also goes live on Facebook and maybe Instagram too, at least once a quarter. Many of her products have scents that change seasonally, and she is also always bringing in new items from other brands to add to the shop. So she has these quarterly launches. So she'll go live on social media, and she'll walk through all of the products that are going to be in each launch. She just is absolutely the face of her brand. And Emily has said that she has never spent money on a marketing campaign. So she didn't say this, but I have to wonder if being this accessible to her community, along with making products that her community just really enjoys, if that has been a big part in helping her business grow as much as it has. So let's get into Emily's story.
Emily Silverstein didn't have aspirations to start a skincare business. She studied business marketing and interior architecture at the University of Oregon, then worked at an interior design firm for a few months after college. But she wasn't at this position for long because she was employed there during the last recession. Graduated college, I got a fancy job and got a new car and got an apartment and thought I was like living the dream. And then a few months later, like everything just hit the fan. It was 2008, so the market was pretty awful, and everything was crashing. And thankfully, the firm that I worked for was focused more on remodeling instead of initial like construction design kind of stuff. So I think that's maybe the only reason why theirs actually lasted a little bit longer than some of the other design firms that went under. So after a few months at that company, their firm did go under, and so I was out of a job. And we lived next door to a Starbucks at the time. And one of my friends had told me how they give great benefits and you only have to work 20 hours a week. So I was bartending part-time and then working part-time at Starbucks to get health benefits for myself because I lost that when I lost my fancy job too. Emily stayed at Starbucks for six years, working her way up to a management position, and she was a store manager when she got pregnant with Milo, her first child. She gave birth and she went on a maternity leave and then began thinking about whether being a store manager was going to work for her now that she had become a parent. For my maternity leave, when I had my son, I was store manager at the time and just knew that going back to that position in the demand that it required just wasn't really right for us and wasn't going to work. I mean, there were quite a few times where I'd get a phone call at three o'clock in the morning because somebody couldn't show up for their shift and I would have to go in. And I just kept thinking like, how the heck am I supposed to do this when I have a baby? I'm not going to call a babysitter at 3am. I did go back to Starbucks for a little bit after that part time, just as a barista. So I stepped back down to the lowest entry level position and just worked my 20 hours to keep the benefits for my family again. And so I did that and just worked the super early morning shifts so that we would only need like an hour of a babysitter for that overlap between when I got home from work versus when my husband had to leave for work in the morning because I was working like 4am to 9am four days a week. So, and then I'd come home and take a nap with the baby and then start my day. During her second round at Starbucks after her maternity leave, Emily stayed on as a barista for about six months. During that time, and even sooner while Emily was pregnant, the very beginning stages of urban organics were starting to take shape, even though Emily didn't know it at the time. Emily first began making skincare products when she was pregnant, but they were just for herself to use. A lot of them I started making while I was still pregnant because that's when I got really interested in that stuff, just like putting clean products on my body because I feel like when you're pregnant, you start to do all this crazy research and then your head goes in all these weird ways. And so that's when kind of just started being more aware of what I was putting on my body because all of a sudden it affected another person as well. So I started making a lot of that stuff then. So I had like a lot of time to play around with it and that kind of stuff. I think usually it takes three, four, five-ish batches before I get everything nailed down. And in the beginning, I was just, when I was making them for myself, I was just going on Pinterest and like looking up random recipes kind of thing and making stuff. And then as I became more familiar with ingredients and knew more about benefits I wanted in the products and that kind of thing when I was actually going to be selling them. 
I was able to play around with those formulas and really figure out my own versions of things based on what I had made before. So after their son was born, Emily and Corey were talking a lot about how they were going to make things work. Who was going to work when and what would they do about daycare, those kinds of things. And that was when Emily first thought about starting a skincare business and putting her products on Etsy. Really when we were trying to figure out after my son was born how we were going to make daycare work and figure out like, okay, I have to work these days and you work these days and then we'll only need daycare these days. It felt like this big Tetris puzzle that we were trying to like piece together and it just didn't feel right and it was stressing me out and I can't remember how we actually like decided to go with it, but at some point some crazy idea came to me where I just... I was like, hey, what if we just bottled these things up that I'm already making for myself anyway and sell them online? So we just kind of went for it. I got an order the first day that I put everything on Etsy, which was awesome. Apparently, that's not normal. I fully expected to have an order right away because otherwise it wouldn't have validated that decision for me. I needed instant validation. I was like, okay, this has to do well. Like I need to get an order today. And I did. And so it was only one order that first day, but it was nice. So yeah, I just kind of went from there. And by the second year, it fully replaced my full-time income. So Emily was selling her products on Etsy, and she also continued to work elsewhere for a little while. After she left Starbucks, she took a part-time job with G-Diapers. They make cloth diapers that you wash, but with disposable inserts that you dispose of. So they're environmentally minded, very in line with Emily's interests and priorities and passions. So she stayed there for two years. And then by Urban Organic's second year, which she was still selling on Etsy at the time, Emily's business had replaced her full-time income. Corey left his full-time job to join the business about a year and a half ago, which was a big decision for them and one that they thought about and talked about for a while before taking the leap. We talked about it actually for probably a couple of years before we actually did it and then for about a year very seriously considered it before um finally taking the leap and ultimately at the time we were getting all of our healthcare insurance coverage through his work so that was our main factor what held us back from this decision for quite a while i mean it's like a thousand dollars a month for us now to pay for our private healthcare insurance for our family of four So that was a big added expense. So not only were we getting rid of an income, we were adding a pretty major expense every month as well. So we, yeah, we talked about it and talked about it for, gosh, a good year. And then I don't even know what finally made him take the plunge. I think he just kind of got tired of missing out on things and feeling like he was going to regret it if he didn't do it and that kind of thing. And so finally one day he just was like, I'm, I'm giving my two weeks today. I'm doing it. It wasn't just sporadic like that because we'd been talking about it for years, but he's much more cautious than I am, which is good because you need one of those in a relationship probably. And so it was surprising to hear that he had finally done it because I kind of just figured we'd just talk about it forever and never actually do it. But it's been great. Like our kids are still little, so they're home all day. Our oldest is starting kindergarten this fall. So that'll be like our first experience with one kid gone all day, most of the week kind of thing. So it was nice that he had a year of that last year where our oldest was in preschool, like half days, and then our youngest was still home with us all day. And so he really got to experience that at home parent life, which was, I think, maybe more of a culture shock for him than it was 
for me. <laughs> it's a lot when you're not used to it. And for me, you know, I started it when they were babies and working my way up. And he just came into like toddlers around him all the time, which is a lot. But it's been great. Like the boys love it. I love it. We, you know, we sit down to breakfast, lunch, and dinner together every day. And we work here and there. I wish that we were a little more efficient because there's definitely a lot of things that pull us away from work during the day, which I think maybe by the end of the day, I ended up working eight hours, but it's like two hours here and then an hour there and then 45 minutes here and that kind of thing. That's all pieced together. Throughout these six years since Emily has started her business, Urban Organics has grown organically. As frustrating as it can be, it's it's also fun to just kind of let it happen naturally. And I've never pushed a paid campaign marketing thing or anything like that. Like everything's just been regular social media posts, word of mouth, that kind of stuff. So I love that it grows slowly, but I mean, I say slowly, but I mean, now my husband has quit his job and he is home with us and he works with us now too, because it did grow quickly. But I mean, I don't know, like I I think back over all the days and I'm like, wow, that was really slow. But then it's also like, well, six years ago, I wasn't doing any of this. And now it's our whole like household income. And it, you know, it pays for us to have bought a new house and renovate a new house and buy a new car and all these things that I think that like wouldn't have happened if this didn't happen. So I like that it happened slowly, but quickly. One of the great aspects of starting your own business is that you get to choose your company work environment and your culture. And for Emily, her decisions around this were influenced by her first experience with entrepreneurship, which was as a daughter to a father who had his own business. And having seen what her father's business looked like and the challenges that came with that for her as his daughter, that helped inform what Emily wanted her own company to look like for herself and her husband and also her kids. My dad owned his own business when I was a kid and I saw how time consuming and how stressful it was. So he actually owned a, I don't know how to fully describe it in like that industry, but it was a like machine shop kind of thing. So he manufactured metal repair parts for the large machines, I guess. So he would sell the repair parts to his customers. And usually it was big factories and manufacturers and that kind of thing that would have a big machine that broke and they would need those parts like immediately, obviously, because all of their production was halted until he could get them the repair part. But I think um, from what I do remember, like I said, just him being gone a lot, he worked probably like 80 or more hours a week and we rarely took vacations. We rarely saw him. Like it was just like, dad has to work. That's how it is kind of thing. And so that was never anything on my radar. If anything, I think I wanted the opposite. But it's funny how things turn out. So I'm definitely doing my best to make sure that my kids don't see it from the same perspective that I saw it from having a parent that owns a business. I work from home. So it's a little bit different. They're here with me all the time anyway, versus like my dad worked outside of the home. So so while I might work crazy amount of hours at least my kids are always in the house with me when it happens so I feel like that helps and hinders the workload a little bit. One of the things I find so fascinating about Emily is that she has built this business while being home with her kids 
If you're listening and you also have kids, I'm sure you can imagine how challenging this must be at times. I know I can barely compose an email when all of my kids are at home, but Emily's found a way to make this work. And she's been making it work pretty much since her kids were born. So they have only known this lifestyle and they have built this independence as a result. So um, I think it helps that this is all they've ever known. I've worked from home their entire lives. My first son especially has just always been super independent. He was fine even as a baby. Just I'd set him on the floor with a blanket and some toys and he would just stay there all day and no big deal. It was amazing. So that was a very unrealistic expectation that he set when we had our second one who was kind of the exact opposite. But even then I hear from my friends that when I complain about it or think that he's being difficult or whatever, and they're like, you have no idea. Like our kids would not just hang out while we worked all day. So I think that the fact that I've done it their whole lives, like I said, it's all they know and they got so used to it. And they're very independent and can entertain themselves and each other. And they let me know when they need a snack or when they need their bottoms wiped. And that's about it. <laughs> it's funny because I feel, feel like a lot of the time I feel so guilty about having to make them play by themselves. But then I do hear that other side of that from a lot of people where they're like, my kid wouldn't be able to play by themselves. They wouldn't know how to, or I always have to play with them or this or that. So I'm like, Maybe I did an okay thing. Maybe I shouldn't feel so guilty about it. Another priority that has informed Emily's business is her commitment to the environment and to minimalism and to producing less waste. Her family of four produces about a bag of trash a month. I'm going to say that again. Her family of four produces a bag of trash a month, which is amazing. And on Urban Organics social media accounts, she's very open about sharing how she does this. So first, let's talk a little bit about how Emily's family reduces waste. A big source of waste, at least in in my household, I would assume many others, is uh, the grocery store and all the packaging that comes with our food. Emily and her family have had to be very intentional about how they deal with this. As like a child, we we always recycled in our household, but I think it was looked at as like recycling is the solution instead of just buying less stuff that needs to even be recycled, if that makes sense, which I feel like is now more of the mentality we've gotten into as parents and in our own household. Instead of looking at recycling as the solution, it's now the last resort. And so we've really, really been trying to just limit our spending and purchasing on things that are packaged in general. So just buying everything package-free as much as you can. And if you can't buy it package-free, then purchasing it in glass or cardboard or things like that that can then be recycled. So we've been using the bulk bins at grocery stores a lot, and I'll just bring my own jars in instead of using their plastic bags. And that's how we get almost all of our dry pantry-type items. And then purchasing your produce without Either don't use the plastic bag at all. Just stick, you know, just stick the produce in your cart because you're going to wash it when you get home anyway, because it already has been handled by a bunch of people. So sticking it in your cart or putting it on the conveyor belt at the checkout stand isn't going to make it any dirtier than it already was. So just either not using a bag at all or reusable produce bags are an awesome alternative too. We bought like a pack on Amazon, gosh, probably like three or four years ago, and we're still using the same ones. But yeah, I think really making as much of your own stuff as you can. Chips are our hardest thing right now that we just can't give up. So we usually have like one 
maybe two bags of chips a week that goes in the trash. And then I did just find out that we have a place locally that I can purchase tofu that isn't packaged. So I'm definitely about to check that out because that's a little bit of our waste right now is tofu packaging. It definitely takes, you have to be intentional about it. You have to want to change and want, and care to change. And it does mean saying no to a lot of the foods that we love and that we miss and that kind of stuff. And we're not perfect. Like sometimes I definitely will still give in to them, but I, it's not anywhere near as often as we did before. Going along with reducing the amount of packaging waste that comes out of their household, Emily and her family also just have fewer things. For example, they have fewer items of clothing. I mean, I probably have maybe 30 pieces of clothing total, and that would probably be the same for my husband, and then my kids probably have even less each. I have four pairs of shoes. I, <laughs> I'm trying to think. My husband probably has three or four pairs of shoes also. My kids each have one pair of tennis shoes and one pair of rain boots and then one pair of sandals, depending on the season for which like shoes they need. I used to be like, I would buy everything I could and I'd have this closet full of clothes. And it's like, how much of it do you actually wear? And how much of it do you actually love? And are you just holding on to it because it might fit again? Or you have some emotional tie to it because something amazing happened to you while you were wearing it or this or that. There's so many reasons why people buy things or hold on to things or that kind of thing. Every once in a while, I'll just go through my closet and I look at things and I say, if I were shopping today, would I buy this again? And if I wouldn't, then there's no reason for me to keep it. So if it's in good condition, you know, you can sell it or donate it, that kind of thing. There's a lot of clothing recycling options now too for taking fabric basically to be reused. Our local Goodwill has a separate little like clothing recycling um, area where if the clothes are too worn or whatever for them to sell, you can put them there and they'll recycle the fabric so it doesn't just go into the landfill. For anyone who is interested in clothing recycling programs, I've seen bins for recycling clothing at H&M and Madewell and J. Crew do denim jeans recycling. Those are good places to check out. So we have grocery store waste and packaging in general. We have clothing. And then the last one in that trifecta, at least in my mind, is kids' toys. Emily's kids each have a few toys along with Legos. And they try to get toys that are made with minimal plastic as much as possible. So my oldest is currently obsessed with Legos. So there's not really a way around that at the moment. But I did read actually that Lego brand is working on a new like biodegradable like no plastic lego alternative i would love that so legos are definitely the one place where we are crazy with but other than legos our kids probably have three toys each maybe <laughs> or four we have a nugget it's like a deconstructed couch basically so that they can because they were always taking my couch cushions and like building forts with them and all this stuff and it would drive me crazy and so they make ones that are already like taken apart and so you can set it up like a couch if you want to and so it is a couch in our living room right now it's an extra seating area but also it just comes all apart and it bends in all these different ways and it has different shapes and all this stuff so you can make forts with it or tents or we've used it you know when the little one wants to have a sleepover in his big brother's room we'll just lay it on the floor in there as like a mattress kind of thing so that's been a great way to like let their creativity kind of go it's a functional piece in our house also because it adds extra seating when we need it but they build forts with it 
gosh, probably almost every day. They are so creative and they honestly don't get bored at all either. You would think that with less things, they would get bored more often. And I keep reading studies about it too, that kids actually with less toys are less bored because they, they're forced to be creative. We do a lot of art stuff too. Like they have an art drawer in our little buffet in our dining room. So they have all their coloring stuff and their paints and that kind of thing. And we're renovating our backyard right now. And we're so excited to just have it ready for them so that we can start spending more time out there. We have a big glass sliding door off of our office that goes right out to the backyard. And so it would just be awesome to let them play out there. We can work inside. We can watch them and listen to them and all that kind of thing. We really just try to use a lot less things and let them use their imagination a lot more. So given Emily's family's commitment to the environment, naturally when she started Urban Organics, Emily also thought about how the environment was going to play into her business. We package all of our products in glass instead of plastic. That is very important to me. And then we ship in cardboard boxes with paper shred instead of bubble wrap. And on our website, we have a bunch of ideas with what you can do with your glass jars when they're empty. I mean, obviously, you can always just recycle them. Unfortunately, more and more cities are starting to not accept glass recycling at all. And then even when they do, like I said before, like, I think that recycling, you shouldn't just rely on it as a solution for everything. It should be, well, if I can't get this package free and I can't use this packaging up in any other way, then I'm going to recycle it instead. So yeah, we have a lot of ideas for using those jars. We're always trying to come up with more ideas to try to help our customers reuse those little things without it just being like, oh, I have a ton of glass jars I'm holding on to for no reason because I don't want to do anything else with them kind of thing. Emily is a great example of how our priorities and the social causes we are committed to can become interwoven into our businesses. When you create your own business, you have control of that and you can make sure that your business 100% reflects who you are, which is one of the coolest things about entrepreneurship, I think. But along with that also comes some big decisions and Emily was in the process of making one of those decisions over the summer when I interviewed her. So at that time, she was thinking about hiring a company to help actually make her products. This was taking up a lot of her time, so it would be great for her to free up some of that time to work on other aspects of her business. But the other side of it is that it would also be an added expense. Now, Emily likely has made a decision about this because it's now months later. But I don't think the actual decision is as important as is the thought process that she went through to get there. This is something that so many of us have to weigh in our businesses, whether added costs are worth freeing up our time for other things. So here are Emily's thoughts on that subject. We are in the beginning stages of working actually with a local skincare manufacturer. So they would take all of our formulas and recipes and make our products for us. Currently, we are making everything in our kitchen with my husband and I. And then we have one to two other gals who come over during the week to help. Right now, production is our biggest holdup with everything. It takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of space. It makes a lot of mess, all that kind of stuff. So it would be awesome to delegate that elsewhere. It's hard for me to give up that control. And we definitely still have some more conversations to have with this company. But they seem like a really good fit. And they are a certified organic facility. So all of our products, if they were made there, they would automatically be actually like certified organic through the USDA, which right now they're not because that certification process is so expensive for us as a small business to acquire. 
But if we had this company making the stuff, then because they are already a certified facility, anything that goes through their facility is automatically certified and we could have that fancy little logo on our jars. It's definitely going to be a bigger cost, but I think to me, like I look at cost as more than just money. My time is a cost, you know, my kids happiness is a cost, all that kind of thing. And so I really try to look at things besides just the monetary cost. And I think that although it's monetarily going to cost us a little more to do it this way, it's going to free up so much time. And I'm hoping like make us less stressed and happier and all that kind of stuff. So it'll be worth it. So that is Emily Silverstein's story. The next launch for the Urban Organics Holiday Collection is November 8th. I'm going to put a link in the show notes to the Urban Organics VIP group on Facebook. That's where Emily does her launch videos that I was talking about earlier in the episode. And there's also a special section on her website where she discounts some of her products for VIPs. So if you're interested in Urban Organics at all, I recommend looking into that group. I'm so grateful to Emily for taking the time to talk with me for this episode. This is my third podcast episode telling stories about people who have built their own creative businesses, and there are themes that are starting to emerge. One of them that's sticking out to me is that these first three women that I talked to, they all started with this an idea, but they didn't necessarily know where that idea was going to take them, but they started anyway. Mercedes Lyson, in episode three, put up her first video on YouTube, not knowing that it would lead to her having this thriving Patreon community today. And Ashley Shelley Trotier, in episode four, made her budget notebook for herself and added it to her baby shower invitation Etsy shop just to see what would happen. And now she sells several other products and the Ashley Shelley brand is her full-time business. And now we have Emily Silverstein on maternity leave and wondering how she's going to balance being a mom with a crazy schedule as a store manager. She just decides one day to put these skincare products that she's been making on Etsy. Now it's her family's sole income. They all started with that first thing, not knowing where it would lead, not necessarily having a business plan in mind, but just having the faith in their products and their content or the interest in putting something out there and wanting to share it with others. Even if you just have an inkling of of a business idea or a creative side project and you can't necessarily see where it's going to lead, it might be worth it to take a chance. Put yourself out there, try, see where it's going to go. You never know where that first step might lead. Thank you so much for listening today. I'll be back soon with another story. Thank you so much for taking the time today to listen to We Built This Life. If you enjoyed the podcast, I would be so grateful if you would leave a review on iTunes. That really helps other people find the show and in turn helps the show grow. You can also find me on Facebook and Instagram under We Built This Life, and I do hope you'll stop by there and share a little bit about yourself. If you'd like to share your own story, I would love to hear it. Please email me at webuiltthislifepodcast at gmail.com. Thank you again for listening today, and I'll see you soon.